Over the last few years, I've been studying, I've been trying to study much more than I used to, Perkei Avos in general, and I had focused a lot on the sixth parak of Perkei Avos, and I kind of backed into this topic because, as we'll see shortly, the idea of Leiv Tov is mentioned briefly in a very intriguing context, excuse me, in the sixth parak of Perkei Avos. But really, uh, what I'd like to do, uh, as you can see here, a text-based shear, uh, but hopefully it'll also be... Uh, discussion of the, of the broader ideas, which I think are both uh, inspirational and, I hope, uh, relevant. Um, and that is um, basically an analysis with a lot of the Mepharshim on Avos of the Mishnah, very well-known Mishnah, in the second parak of Perkei Avos, and really intriguing, uh, I think, attention-grabbing Mishnah when we think about it, and then to see the different interpretations. I think, you know, colloquially, and this is where, I guess, the, uh, the subtitle of the Shir came from, you know, we, we use the term a good heart, you know, all the time and somewhat freely. You know, so-and-so has a good heart. Um, I guess every now and then we have to say so-and-so doesn't have a good heart. <laughs> That's more depressing. Uh, but certainly we like to think about that. It's a way we describe people. And it's, I guess, maybe in a certain context, kind of like menschlichkeit or derch eretz. It's kind of this catch-all word that hopefully the people in the inner circle, you know, we know what that means when someone says he or she has a good heart. This can come up in all sorts of contexts and shaduchim or all sorts of times where you would kind of look to, to grab a person or to try to touch up a person in, in a kind of a quick or short way. But it really, you know, I think if we deconstruct it, if we think about it for a moment, it's, it's, it's not at all obvious what that term means. Now, it could be that in our conversation we have a common understanding of what it means, but this is a term that, you know, we didn't come up with. It's actually in Chazal, it's in the Mishnah, twice actually. Uh, in here in Avos, and what it really interests me, not that this necessarily has to impact the way you and I use the word, although I think it might, but what really interests me is what do Chazal mean when they talk about something having a good heart? Now, I think it goes without saying, this is almost uh, banal that it's, it's so obvious, but we think of someone having a good heart, that's like a good thing, that's like a really, really big compliment. But the truth is, I think that the level of importance that we give that actually doesn't even compare to how important Chazal thought having a good heart is. And for that, let's turn to the first source, which is going to be really the basis of the shir, which is this Mishnah in the second parak of Perkyavos. So this is Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, and it says that he's talking to his students. And he says, Amar lahem, he tells his students, Basically, he says, you tell me, pick one midah, that a person should concentrate on, that that will be like a real key uh, for the person's life. So all these like really famous Tanayim start giving really interesting examples. And the truth is, any one of the examples could have been the basis of a shear. Although you'll see, for the reason I picked Lev Tov will be obvious as we go through the Mishnah. But all of them are important and intriguing that they should be the one chosen. So for example, Rebbe Leezer tells us, eye in Tova, have a good eye. Now what even does that mean? Not exactly the topic of our shear, but still, an intriguing idea that Rebbe thinks if you had to pick one thing, I and Tova. Rebbe Shua says, Chaver Tov, be a good friend. Right? Certainly could be the basis of a shear. Rebbe Yossi Omer, Shachain Tov, appropriate for community shear. Be a good neighbor, right? Whatever that means with your workers, with your, all sorts of different things. Be a good neighbor, be a Shachain Tov. Rebbe Shimon says, total break in the theme, Haroe eshanolad. Haroe eshanolad is the way Chazal uh, describes somebody who can think one or two steps ahead. See what's coming, right? If I do this, what's 
the likely repercussion. What is this going to lead to? What is the reaction going to be? Roas, and I'll see what will the action or decision I make now, what's it likely to give birth to? Try to think one or two steps down the road. Right? Easier said than done, but we all, especially when it comes to parenting, uh, that's full of surprises. The only thing that's consistent in parenting, parenting is the surprises. But nevertheless, in life, obviously, if we could, <laughs> halavai, if we could predict the future, so to speak, if we knew the consequences of our various actions, we'd obviously be able to be much more successful and smart. So all of these each in their own way, really interesting, really intriguing. But all of this is a prelude to Rabbi Lazar. Rabbi Lazar says, Leif Tov. What's really key, if a person has to pick one mida to uh, exemplify, one mida to hone in on, it's have a good heart. A Leif Tov. So we have five different Talmidim, five different suggestions in the Mishnah as to what would be the mida, the thing that should be characterized. But we don't have to pick or we don't have to guess, I should say, what is the main uh, mito, which is the one that captures, so to speak, our heart, no pun intended, what the mission chooses, because Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, the one who elicited this survey of different ideas, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai hears the different suggestions of his students, Amar lahem, and he responds, Roa ani es divir Rabbi Lazar ben Arach, shevachlal dvarav divrechem. He says, Rabbi Lazar was right. More important than being a good friend, having an eye in tova, being a shachin tova, more important than all of those things is having a good heart. A lev tov is the most important midah. Because, and this of course we're going to have to try to figure out why this is, says Rabbi Yochanan Zakkai, if you have a good heart, everything else will follow. It encompasses or it leads to all of the other midos perhaps even beyond the ones that are mentioned in the Mishnah, but certainly the ones that are mentioned in the Mishnah. And, you know, I guess the obvious question, not question in the sense of like mystery, but something that just needs more analysis, which is what the Mepharshim are going to do for us, is to try to understand why this is so. What do, what do Chazal mean when they say, have a good heart, such that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai can say it's the single most important midah, in fact, it's a gateway mida. It will lead to all other good things. What exactly does that mean? That's question number one. Second question, if you turn over the page for a second and you look at source number 10, this also comes from Avos in the sixth parak, parak Vav Mishneh. Hey, just a word about uh, Perk Yavos for those of you who have studied it. I certainly always encourage studying Perk Yavos. Really, 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 Avos is five chapters. Perkyavos is one of the Mesechtos of the Mishnayos, and the Mishnayos are actually only five chapters. The sixth chapter, the Perak Vav, which is what I have here in source number 10 from, is actually a Brisa. A Brisa is a collection of Tanaitic teachings. It's from roughly the same time period as the Mishnah, but it's usually you know, slightly, if you will, less authoritative. It wasn't originally. The earliest, earliest, earliest versions of Avos are only five prakim. Sometime, we don't really have an exact date, but we know it goes back a long, 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 long time. Sometime probably in the Gaonic period, sometime in between the end of the Gemara and the beginning of the Rishonim, sometime in that period, they appended this collection of Breitot, in this, and they called it Perigvav. Basically, the theory goes, and it's not a theory, meaning what we have, the Makoros that we have from 
all those years ago, basically made clear that what happened is there became a minhug. How this minhug started is a good question. There became a minhug, which we're all familiar with, to study Perkyovos in between Pesach and Shavuos. So from the end of Pesach to Shavuos is six weeks. So they wanted six chapters so that each week you could study one chapter. The only problem was that Elvis was only five chapters. So they added a sixth collection of Brysos, a sixth chapter, which is really a collection of Brysos. Now that sixth perek, so one thing is it gives us the magic number six, it gets us to Shavuos, and the theme, and this is a segue to what we're about to talk about in terms of the specific Brysos, is that the theme of the whole sixth perek of Avos is Torah, and Torah study. It's one of the most concentrated places in all of the literature of Chazal, that all, the whole sixth chapter, is about the importance of Torah study, the power of Torah study, the magic of Torah study, the obligation of Torah study, and it's not a coincidence now that I've given you this background of why that was chosen. Because the whole purpose of having a sixth chapter was to be a fill-in so that last week before Shavuos, we have something to study, of course, Shavuos being the celebration of Matan Torah, so they picked Perik Vav to be about Talmud Torah. So basically, in the structure of Avos, we have Derech Eretz Kadmah Torah. The first five chapters are Derech Eretz, the sixth is about Torah, and then in that Minog, if we study it during that time of the year, you are allowed to study Avos in the winter also, but if you stu- when you're studying it then, you're actually embodying this <laughs> idea of Derech Eretz, Kadmul Torah leading into Shavuos. Now I tell you that not only because it's interesting and most people don't know it, because now you'll appreciate source number 10. So one of the things, there's a lot of beautiful things in the sixth chapter, but one of the things in Parag Vav is an incredible uh, brysa that lists the 48, the Memchet Kinyane Torah. 48 attributes that are necessary to acquire Torah, or in some cases maybe are the product of someone who has acquired Torah, but for the most part it's things that you need in order to be able to become a Tamachacham to master Torah. 48 different attributes. Many of them are the kind of things you would expect. Being a masmid, working hard, reviewing, being a good listener, asking good questions, not being too embarrassed to ask those are the kind of things we could almost anticipate would be on a, you know, a recipe for becoming uh, successful in Torah learning. But there's a number of them which are surprising. And I would suggest that our topic, our, our, ours is surprising as well. And I listed for you here, depending on how you have the order, I think this, if I remember correctly, this is, I might be off on this, but I think maybe this is Mida number 21 or 22. It's somewhere roughly in the middle, I think, if I remember correctly. But one of the lists of the Memches Kenyane Torah is... Lev Tov. Now I would argue that this is also quite surprising. I understand it's good to learn Torah. I understand it's good to have a Lev Tov. My Indian Shemitah, Harsinai. What does having a good heart have to do with Kinyan Torah? Right? If I wanted to really ask the question in a harsh way, I would say, we've all known people who seem to know lots of Torah who didn't have such a Lev Tov. I certainly have known people like that. I had some high school rebellion like that. Um, really, I don't know what the opposite of Lev Tov is, but uh, really difficult situations. And I was not the only one, not even close. Uh, just throughout our history, all sorts of people, who, whether they're professional teachers or not, somehow, you know, people seem to have uh, more broken hearts, shall we say. Um, but leave that aside for a moment. Just an obvious question. What does Lev Tov, certainly the way you and I use that term, what does that have to do with intellectual, scholarly, academic achievement, learning and mastering Torah? 
know, they seem to be nice, but not really connected. So I'd like to kind of derech agav try to answer that question. And I think I, if I think on the source sheet, there are three different interpretations of that part of it. But my real interest really is the first question, which is the more basic question, which is when Chazal used the term lev tov, what do they mean? What is it talking about? And of course, the real question is, why is it so important? The Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, and none, no less than Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, one of the most famous Tanaim, thinks it's the most important midah, and a midah which can, so to speak, lead to all others. So far, so good. Any questions? Any suggestions? Okay. I'm wondering if nicknames is to, to be taken literally as more nicknames in, in an intellectual sense, and more of nicknames actually like... So the answer is, yes, so in terms of the sixth parak, not only about Lev Tov, but in general, why the the Mishnah or Brisa, I'm I'm, I'm lazily going back and forth between the two, Um, why Avos Pergvav uses the term nicknase for these kind of attributes. Nicknase, usually a kinyan, usually refers to ownership or taking a possession of something. It's a a good question. It's not about Lev Tov, but it's a general question which the Mepharshim there deal with. To what extent is learning Torah kind of an acquisition, or are these things necessary? You know, if you, when you got married, there was a Kenyan. When you uh, sign uh, your rabbi to sell the chametz, there's a Kenyan. When you bought your house, halakhically, there has to be a Kenyan. So w- we have a certain halakhic terminology for Kenyan. What does that mean in the terms of the Torah? It's, it's a good ha'ara. I don't think we're going to get into it, but it is, it is a good ha'ara. But what about lev tov? Does anyone have any suggestion? What do you think Chazal mean by that? Why would lev tov be so important for the first among equals? Trying to think what is the difference between Leftov and Ah, amazing. We're gonna one of the Mafarshim is exactly gonna deal with that. Fantastic question. But that's another excellent right? Ayan Tov, Lev Tov. I mean they they both seem to be metaphoric terms. Good. Also good question, right? Right? hundred percent. I don't think it means necessarily the opposite of Ayan Hara, although maybe who knows? Right? But what does Ayan Hara mean? That's another shear. We have like six shearim already we picked, right? We've, we have all sorts of shearim we have to give. Bar Hashem we'll have to have a lot of Torah learning. But right Presumably, a good eye or a good heart, these must be metaphoric terms. But once we're dealing with the metaphor, you know, kindness, goodness, maybe, but like, what's the difference, right? Excellent question, good. Any theories? We have a lot of good questions. The key, the key to learning is good questions, but anyone have any, anyone want to take a stab at it? Okay. Oh, well, allow the tension to book. Yes, you have something? Come on, Rebecca. No, okay. The fact that you almost did is already something. <laughs> no, I, mean, I think maybe the idea of Ben Adam Machavimro is that you know, if everything is included, a shechain tov, and it's like the, someone who has that aspect. Uh, that's very smart. So Shoshana is suggesting that we can figure it out by the fact, given that the Mishnah says that Lev Tov will lead to the other things, so let's look at the common denominator of the other things. The other things, at least the first few, Perhaps, at least, well, Chavar Tov and Shachin Tov certainly seem to be Ben Arm Lachavero. So maybe Lev Tov has some Ben Arm Lachavero connotation. Perhaps. But you're asking what the definition of Lev Tov is now, not what the connection is between. Correct, Tov correct. And She's and just and suggesting that a, a strategy to figure it out is that it might connect to those other things. Usually, when they talk about Lev Tov in a colloquial way, people usually mean someone who is a kind person, a compelling, compelling good. person. I don't know if that's exactly. It might be. It's, it's a good place to start. Good. Okay. Any other theories? I, I, I read it differently when it was a, um, mm-hmm. like, 
that would lead to it, just that like it includes all. all okay, fair enough. I'm, I'm I'm willing to say that. More like it's an umbrella term, and everything else considered. So if you have a lave tov, you are a shachin tov. If you have a lave tov, you are a. Yeah, those things just come naturally to you. Okay, good. But so good, excellent. I'm I'm makabel dvarich. So now, what does it mean? <laughs> it seems less self-interested. The lave Generous. So, meaning shachin tov, like or chaver tov, there's something in it for you on some level, and even I'm tov, like usually why you're looking at someone in a good way, you're you're trying to work out probably because you've had some sort of interaction with them, and you need it, I mean you want to see them in a positive way, or you're trying to see them in a positive way. Lev tov seems more like just that sort of state of being that you're you've already kind of. In, Excellent. So, I'm not sure I'm convinced by your iron tov comment, or even the other ones. I'm not sure, but. That's okay anyway, but I, what I think you're getting to, which is excellent, excellent, is that lave, I think we associate with the essence of a person. That's really, if I could unpack what you're saying, right? A lave is, when you asked, so we asked before, was there a lave and iron? So we haven't answered that question yet, but I think our instinct, which is I think what you're, you're bringing up, which I think is excellent, is that lave relates to our essence, right? We talk about who's a, who is a person, you, could, you, know, you don't want to define them by their eye. Necess- you wouldn't think, right? That doesn't seem as okay. n- necessary. Mm-hmm. Mahout. Oh, this, is what, what, this is what I was thinking. The lev is like, like the basic. Right. The mm-hmm. source. Yes, I think you're saying something. I think you're both saying... And maybe this is the, uh, the difference between laptop and Aintov. Ein is goes out of the lev. Good, good. So I think you're, you're both saying, I think, something similar. Let's, good. I think these are excellent suggestions. Let's see how they play out in, uh, in some of the Farshim. So the first uh, person I want to look at is Rabbeinu Yonah. Rabbeinu Yonah has a commentary on Perkei Avos. And in source number two, I want, we'll, we'll go back to the first words that he says. But let's look in the middle of source number two. Uh, the, the third line where I have it underlined. He says, Ratzalomer midat haratzon, namely... What does it mean, Ratzon, in this context? Savlan she'eno ketzaruach. Umitrachek mimidas hakas. Umeshiv b'ma'anerach. Now that's, all, it's, it's more than one thing there. But the package he's basically saying is, you have a soft ma'anerach. A soft, a calm person, not quick to anger. Ketzaruach is like quick to anger, easily provoked. But instead is a savlan, someone who's calm, someone who's forbearing. Mitrachek mimidas akas. Umeshiv b'ma'anerach. So again, soft, calm, not hot-headed, not easily angered. That's a lev tov. So Rabbi Yonah, again, we're just starting with him. He suggests a certain specific kind of mida, And a lev tov... A guta heart, what does that mean? A guta heart, a guta neshamim, in his case, soft, calm, easygoing, doesn't really, doesn't really get angry. Let's take a look to see how that is similar to what the Tiferes Yisrael says in source number four. The Tiferes Yisrael, Rabbeinu Yonah was one of the great Rishonim. Of course, the Tiferes Yisrael lives hundreds of years afterwards. The Tiferes Yisrael is a student of the Maharal. And the Tiferes Yisrael, in his commentary uh, of the Mishnah, there in source number four, he says two things. You have two different ketaim, uh, pechet and peitet. And let's take a look what he says here. He says, Shelibo tamid sameach umizuman lahitiv lakol. To be a lev tov means a person who is by nature happy and, and I think this is so insightful, happy people 
are more likely to be giving people. Uh, people who are happy in their own life are much more happy to be giving. It doesn't just mean in monetary or material things, although it can mean that too. But just in general, the more you're happy with your life, the more you're willing and interested in sharing and helping other be, people be happy. Libo tamid sameach umizuman. The key word there is the mizuman. Everyone is metiv lakol every now and then. We all sometimes do hatava, you know, favors for other people. But the key here is mizuman lehitiv. You get cash for. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. The hostess is allowed one joke. It's a quota. <laughs> Only one. I'm tough. I'm tough. Anyway. Um, this is. <laughs> Just kidding. Mizuman um, lehitiv. It's a very, very powerful word. If we could refocus our attention, uh, a very powerful word. Mizuman lehitiv. The nature of the person is they're always, I would translate it as primed to give. Their default setting is to give. Skip uh, the next few words. That's about learning Torah. Maybe we'll come back to that. And then he says in, in the uh, brackets in this ayelet, this is for you. Venerally, the lev tov. What does Lev Tov mean? He adds another wrinkle. There's multiple layers of meaning here. The specific metaphor of Lev, which I think, Rebecca, this goes back to what you were saying before, and um, you said before, it's the person's essence. Your Lev Tov is kind of who you are in your mahut, in your essence. And therefore, he says, Hitragel kach, You've done it so many times that it becomes second nature. Right? Now this is critically important. Well, I'll swear it's important in a second, just to contrast, continuing. Masha'en kein, ayin tova. Ayin tova says the Tiferes Yisrael, Hainu, shemet naheg b'miros ha-tovos, umikoach ha-seichel, umach ma-shirak ha-dei ha-seichel, yachriach but Einu Osatov Basimcha Ubashlama Karoi says first of something fascinating. Ayin Tov means in each case I thought about it and I did the good thing. But I had to think about it. And I was convinced, Mitzara Seichel, that in this case that's the right thing to do. A higher level, says the Tvaris Yisrael, is Lev Tov. Lev Tov has become second nature. Now what's so critically important about this is that he's, when we think about people who are givers, or you can, you can insert other midos here as well, I think that we sometimes make a mistake. We think that these are the type of people who are born that way. They're born compassionate, they're born charitable. Everyone's got different midos, different nitiyot, uh, inclinations, this and certain people are just naturally kind, compassionate. This person's always smiling. You could fill in all a gamut of different examples and different midos. And there are people who are always smiling and always compassionate and always giving and always volunteering and always... There are people like that. We know that. And there are people who every now and then do those kind of things. But what the Tiferes Yisrael is saying, I'm not saying it can never be that a person is born that way. But the critical message that he's teaching us with that line is that you can become that. The thing that right now is hard, that each time you need your seichel to kind of convince yourself and tell you, do the right thing, if you do it enough times, it can become second nature. We shouldn't think, well, since I wasn't, that's not who I am. I, 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 again, I, I can't tell you, even, uh, again, I, I love him dearly, one of my own children was having a, you know, a 
not a horrible, but a, a difficult conversation, you know, with a teenage child about certain, you know, things in his life. And more than once, you know, he says, you know, that's who I am. It's a critical mistake. About any, it doesn't matter what the context of the conversation is. It's always a mistake. Now, self-awareness, I often say, is maybe the single most important midah a person can have, with all due respect to Yacham and Zakai. I hope you would agree. If you're not self-aware, if you don't know who you are, you don't, you don't know even how to be metakin anything. And I guess the older we get, the more we realize, I think the, the more we realize how uh, rare sometimes accurate self-awareness is. Um, it's amazing, and we all know certain extreme examples, right? certain people whose image of themselves seems to be so t- distorted by the way that everyone else seems to see them, right? So you can't get anywhere, you can't improve, you can't do anything good in life if you don't have any self-awareness. So on the one hand, saying, yeah, this is who I am, is a critical first step. But as often is the case, including that recent conversation I was having, the person who was saying, this is who I am, doesn't mean it as the first step. They mean it as the sof pasuk. That's a critical mistake. It's not just that despite who you are, you can choose each time to do the right thing. It's that if you make those choices enough times, you can change who you are. It's in your hands. It's not just Bechir Chavshis, I can always pick the right thing. It's that if you pick the right things enough, that can become almost or he uses the term, Teva Sheni, a second nature. And that, he says, is the superiority of Ayin Tov, excuse me, of Lev Tov uh, over Ayin Tov. Just to see the next uh, selection a little bit in the, in the next line, also continuing in that Tiferes Yisrael, he speaks about, in general, a happy disposition. And the benefits, again, perhaps uh, slightly differently than the way Alyssa was reading it, although I was fine with that too, but he seems, I think, if you tell me if you disagree, I think he's saying things lead to another. Which is what I said before. If you're in a good place, if you're happy, you're content, you kind of look at other people, you project in a positive way good things towards other people as well. The yirbo ohavav, but, and then, this will be the gateway. You're that kind of person, you'll have lots of good friends. Right? Who wants to be friends with a sourpuss? Right? No one wants to be friends with someone who's unhappy. I remember many years ago, uh, when I was in Baltimore, uh, dealing with an older single. It's a very, very painful and difficult parsha. Um, this is at the time, she was either 29 or 30. And in a very subtle and gentle way, so subtle and so gentle, I'm not sure the message got across, but I, I couldn't be more blunt because it would have just been too mean. But aside from generally giving her chizuk, like she wore her unhappiness on her sleeve. You couldn't spend one minute talking to her without seeing all the pain and the baggage. And I was trying to explain to her, like you have every right to be upset. Like you've had, I don't even remember the number of dates she told me I'd been on, it is really, really difficult, Parsha. But unfortunately, as long as that's what you're projecting, it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because who's going to want to have a second date, let alone a lifetime, with someone who's always, who just seems to be so unhappy? And I basically admit it. I'm not the right person to help you get there. That you need a professional for. It wasn't a criticism. Like, it's just, this is, you need... You need this is exactly what he's saying. If you have a lave tov, it's likely you're going to have chaverim tovim. Because people are 
attract, and we all know this. It might be some of you in the room are that magnetic personalities, but certainly we've all been around other people who are this magnetic personality, so cheerful, and people just gravitate towards him or her. That says the Tiberi Yisrael, that's the first reason why Lev Tov will lead to Chaver Tov. And Shachin Tov, which in this case, it's hard to know, again, we're not spending time on it now, but he's not really distinguishing in any clear way why exactly the difference is between Shachin Tov and Charev Tov, but it's the same kind of idea. And then he continues, This is also so insightful and so powerful. He says, if you have this kind of happy, calm, I would almost say serenity he's describing, you can see more clearly. You have clearer vision when we're filled with all sorts of angst and pettiness and disappointments. And, letting, and we all have disappointments in life, all have painful things in life. But the more we carry those around, it makes it more difficult to see the newest thing clearly because we're filtering it through. If I, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think the academic term is schema. Right? you seeing things, it's basically, you know, it's the old cliche. If you see things through rose-colored glasses, the glasses always have full, right? There's just, there's no such thing as the objective reality. Everyone is seeing things through a certain filter, through a certain lens. And the more you have the negativity, the normal negativities we all have, and difficulties and challenges and disappointments and pain that we all have in life anyway, but that will, it actually, it's not just that we're unhappy, (laughs) self-fulfilling prophecy, which is what I was talking about in that dating scenario a few minutes ago, but even on a critical analytical sense, just to process information to make good decisions be able to anticipate, right? If, if everything's always negative, you're just kind of anticipating the worst always, et cetera, et cetera, you're not going to be Roes Hanolid in an accurate sense. A certain percentage of the time, you know, being pessimistic will save you from certain uh, painful situations. But if you're always like that, if you're always negative, you're actually going to have a distorted view of reality because you're bringing too much of this baggage. So says for Israel, if you have a lave tov, which again, in this context, he's describing as shoket v'samech, you're calm, you're serene, you're happy. Samech v'chalko. person's happy, you can see things, you can actually see things more clearly. What is amazing in this thing, which is why I underlined it, everything then was just a repetition of the Mishnah. He was just interpreting the Mishnah. But then he takes the liberty to add one more thing. And once you get all that, and you have that personality, again, that happy, bountiful, serenity personality that allows you to have an avas Hashem um, as well. So I think if you put together uh, all of the different points in this beautiful Tiferes Yisrael, and even the things that we saw towards the bottom of that Rabbeinu Yonah and source number two, I would suggest that, broadly speaking, we could put all of these in a certain uh, package, and that is that Lev Tov, according to these interpretations, refer to a specific collection of Midos. Remember, Rabbi Yonah talked about being soft-spoken, not quick to anger, calm. Tiferes Yisrael spoke more about serenity, inner happiness, inner joy. And I think those are all, quite frankly, connected, right? The type of person that Tiferes Yisrael is describing, that inner happiness and serenity, not likely to be someone who's quick to anger either. I don't think that would go together. So this really, again, they're not saying the identical thing, but I think we could put them all together and have a picture of one kind of group of interpretation that Lev Tov refers to this collection, perhaps, if you will, of very important but kind of specific uh, midos. 
Let's go now to source number five. A very different interpretation. I wouldn't say, maybe I shouldn't say very different. Perhaps it relates to everything we're seeing, but something that's not vague and kind of out all over the place, like nice, happy, happy stuff, but something very, very specific. Source number five is a commentary on Perkei Avos called the Lechem Shemayim. The Lechem Shemayim is written by Rav Yaakov Emden. That's a name that maybe you're more familiar with. This is not such a well-known sefer, but it's written by a very famous author, Rav Yaakov Emden. And he says the following, source number five. Shalibo panui mikina v'sina v'daga Basically, the main point here is Lev Tov means you're not, you're not jealous. You're not crowded by jealousy and negativity towards other people, like anger. The Daga and the Yitzvon don't seem to go together as much with the first two. But as you'll see here, he, I think, or at least what I want to take from it, let's put it this way, what, I, what struck me when I read this is specifically his focus on jealousy. If a person is not, again, worn down by some of this baggage, is not constantly looking over his or her shoulder and jealous of other people and what they have and what they don't have, and da, 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 that person is more rachavlev, they have more openness, more expansiveness, and in general not only can be happier in life, but specifically, he says, can have the type of mindset that can... Appreciate, appreciate Torah. And I want to spend a few minutes with some other sources now delving on this. I think that, again, what, I'm not saying this is the only thing he says, but what I want to focus on is the issue of jealousy. Jealousy is one of the most insidious and negative and harmful midos that a person can have. And as he, I think, correctly diagnoses, it's pretty much a guarantee to constantly, you know, prevent you from having a happy life. To be a, to have a, a lave tov is a way of, you could say samech bechalko, I guess it's a, it would be synonymous in, in this interpretation, but it's specifically talking about not just in general being happy or serenity or calm, but specifically being happy with who you are, with what you have, and not being jealous of other people. There's an incredible incredible medrash. I always find it so inspiring. Put it here in source number six. Not talking about, not about our Mishnah. Just in general, a very powerful medrash about two brothers, Moshe and Aaron. Now if you think about it, and I've thought about this uh, many times, I don't know why. I, I'm, I, I don't have a brother, so it's not like uh, there's nothing Freudian going on or you know, autobiographical. Um, but I have thought about this. It's, I just find the whole relationship between Aaron and Moshe so intriguing. If there was only an Aaron, Ben Amram, you know, and Miriam, would it like, you know, the apple of his parents' eye, the superstar child, the Kohen Gadol. And yet, even though all of those things were true, for all history, what is Aaron? Moshe's brother. Totally upstaged. How many people were ever born who could have upstaged Aaron Cohen? And the one who did clearly is his younger brother. Like, that's really hard. I know even with my, with my own children, once the second son got taller than the first, even something as silly as that was hard initially. Like, to be overshadowed by a younger sibling. Nisht, push it. Not easy at all. And yet, say Chazal something extraordinary. Look at source number six. 
Moshe and Aaron are the paradigm of Hine Matovo Manaim Shevet Achim Gam Yachad. In fact, the brothers were as close as could be, had total achdos, total unity. Shayu Ohavin Umachabavin Zeedzeh. They loved each other and cared for each other. Shebeshasha Natal Moshe as Hamalchus Vaaron as Kahuna Lo Sonu Zeedzeh. Each one was happy for the other. Now, that's incredible. Now, you'll say for Moshe that was easy, right? He got to be number one. What the Medrash calls the Melech. He's King Moshe. He's the Melech. So, to ha- once you're Melech, to be happy for your brother that he got to be number two, I'm not saying it's nothing, but not so hard. But to me, the hero of the Medrash is not Moshe. Moshe was even more more good-hearted because when God sent him to the Shlichut, he didn't want to go. Good, good, good. Uh, uh, uh. So and in the... This is good, Exactly, yes, yes. And that you're not a boy because boys don't learn Tanakh. But um, you have to you have to teach young kids and be a girl usually to learn Tanakh. Usually, that's the rule. There are exceptions, though. You hop the fish before the net. I never heard that before. I never heard that before. I like that. So it's true. Moshe, we know, spends all this time trying to get out of it. But when you read Chumash, doesn't anything about it's doesn't. It's not about this mida of I love my brother. It's I don't want to do this. It's not for me. I'm tvad peh. Different excuses. But look what the medrash says. Look what the medrash says. Teda third line. Shebeshash amar kadosh baruch hu lemoshe sheilch b'shlichuto etzel paro. So Moshe has a lot after all this. A week of fighting. Hashem no. Hashem no. Hashem no. What does Moshe say? A very enigmatic lo barur. Enigmatic line. Shlachna biatishlach. It's hard to you know how to translate that word. That, that phrase. Hashem, Moshe says to Moshe, send who you'll send. Shlach biyad tishlach. What does that mean? Says the Medrash. Ad savor shema ikev Moshe shlorot zeleilech. You think Shalom, Moshe is not going because he's lazy. Moshe is not going because he's afraid of the risk. No. Ain't okay. Ella. Kemachabed la'aron. Moshe didn't want to go because he wanted to give it to his older brother. Amr Moshe. And here, Moshe is not just kind, Moshe has self-awareness. He says, I'm not deserving. All of a sudden now you show up to me, God, in a burning bush, in a desert, and all of a sudden now you're telling me I can do it? Where have I been? Nowhere to help my brothers, meaning the Jewish people. All this time I was in the palace, all this time I was in Midian, Aaron has been prophesying for the people, he's been leading the people. I'm going to go now, Johnny come lately, and step on his feet? Step on his toes? It's our own show. He deserves the kavod. Not only because he's the older brother, because he deserves it. Don't worry. It's unbelievable. Aaron's not after the kavod. It's not going to bother Aaron at all. Lo daish eno meitzar. And not only is Aaron not going to be upset and jealous of you, elaod sameach. He's happy for his younger brother. Teidalacha shamarle v'gam hine hu yotzei likratcha, and he'll be happy for you v'sameach bilibo. He's genuinely, genuinely happy. Eno omer v'sameach befiv. 
because in your heart, that's the essence of a person. And Aaron was genuinely happy. He had no jealous jealousy. And then the, the uh, Medrash concludes in the name, this is something you could find in the Gemara as well, from Shem Bar Yochai, that Aaron was genuinely happy in his heart. That's why he was Zoha to the Urim Vetumim, which sits on the Kohen Gadol's heart. So there are many Mekorot and Chazal that describe the importance of non-jealousy or such things, but to me this has always been uh, my favorite. to describe. You know, who was more prone and could have been totally excused for being jealous than Aaron? Totally overshadowed by his, older bro- by his younger brother. He did everything necessary. He was a superstar in his own right. And yet, his younger brother overshadowed him. And says the Medrash, Moshe, again, this is so beautiful, Moshe was willing to give it all up not to hurt his brother. But Moshe made a mistake. Because Moshe thought that Aaron would be jealous. Kadosh Baruch says to Moshe, you sold your brother short. He's not jealous at all. Adarabah, he's happy for you. And you can, that mutual love and sensitivity is why they were able to do what they were able to do. I think this is what Yaakov Emden means in source number five when he said, Lafika libo rachav lekabel divrei Torah. If you're not jealous of other people, you don't get in your own way, you can learn. I can tell you, I get, no one at this table, uh, probably aside from me, every day is in a base medrash. Uh, but I assume everyone here had various stages and levels of learning in your own life. And hopefully, Baruch Hashem, you're connecting uh, through your family and your children. Many, many kids, boys, girls of all ages, and this is particularly something to be worried, uh, keep an eye out for uh, as your children get older, especially boys in yeshiva, but I assume it could be an issue with girls as well. I just can relate more to the issue with the boys, is when they get jealous of other people. It's very easy. This one's smarter than me, this one did better on the test. One of the biggest impediments to learning is not looking you know, at the Chumash, at the Gemara, at the Mishnah, and learning it on your own, so to speak, but looking around, see how fast was the other boy to get it. He can answer a better question, answer it faster. That's basically jealousy. It's not crass, it's not bad per se, in a, in a negative, in a harsh way or a mean way, but it's basically jealousy. So it, it doesn't mean this. What it means is a good question, but it's clear overwhelmingly that uh, jealousy is a general certainly be jealous of other people let's put it that way um, is, is a very very uh, negative thing I didn't put it on the sheet but there's a, uh, an essay uh, by the stipler um, he has a sefer called Shame Olam and the stipler discusses a phenomenon which again I assume there's parallels in girls uh, institutions uh, high schools or seminaries Midrashot as well but he's talking about boys in yeshiva which is obviously he knew better he says you often have a case where somebody's learning great 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 and then like hits a wall and goes down. So obviously there could be a million explanations for it. But in that essay, he talks about a common problem is jealousy. They're learning good on their own until all of a sudden they start seeing all the people they think are learning better. And then instead of feeling satisfied with their progress, it's just, but I'm not doing it as fast, as good, getting the scores as well as the other person and often that leads to a tremendous yirida. And it's a, whether as a teacher, for those of us who are teachers, or as a parent, 
incredibly, incredibly important. This is not just modern psychobabble. Not to take anything, not to be disrespectful to modern psychology, but this is not pop psychology. This is like genuine human psychology and genuine insight of Chazal, which is confirmed by psychology, and the importance of having a sense of inner self-esteem. You don't need the validation of, I got the best score, or whatever, but you feel good about yourself because you put in the best effort. You got the best score that you can do. This is incredibly, incredibly important, and it's in sources number seven and eight, you see this developed idea as well. Source number seven is an amazing, amazing Gemara. Brachos Bet talks about when Rabbi Lazar was sick, very, very sick, he was chalash, and Rabbi Yochanan came to visit him. And he sees that the house is by afel, the house is all dark. So the Gemara tells us about something kind of metaphysical and you know, heebie-jeebie. <laughs> Rabbi Yochanan kind of lifted up the shirt so his arm would get revealed, and he's so holy that that led a bright light into the room. Fine, okay? But once he could have light in the room, when he went in, it was pitch black. All of a sudden, there's light in the room. He sees Rabbi Lazarus is crying. He went to do a Bikr Cholom call, and Rabbi Lazarus is crying. Why are you crying? So he suggests, maybe now that you're sick, and you, you, know, you haven't learned as much as you thought you would, you're disappointed. Are you crying because you didn't learn as much as you could? You thought you would have, I should say. Shaninu, but that's a mistake. He's trying to encourage him. Didn't we learn? Echad hamarbe, echad hamamit, We're not judged by how much, but by how hard we tried and how sincere the efforts were. And I would say if Rab Alazar, the great Rab Alazar, needed that chizuk, we and our children from time to time, need that reminder as well. Because if even Rabbi Lazar could forget the message, then we can forget the message as well. Echad hamarbe, ve'echad hamamit. We all would like to be the marbe, right? No one's volunteering. I want to be the mamit. I'll do the. I'll get the worst grade on the score. I'll make the least amount of money. I'll do the whatever the thing is. But says the Gemara in many places, echad hamarbe, ve'echad hamamit. It's not about the bottom line in the, the long term. It's about the sincerity, and in source number eight, this is the Orzarua. The Orzarua is one of the Rishone Ashkenaz, one of the German Rishonim, and he just interpreting this Gemara, I, I think it's self-evident that he's right, but he just clarifies, he says, we're not just saying it doesn't matter what you do, right? That's like, you know, you have to be careful when you tell your child that, right? It's good to like give them chizuk and give them a hug and a kiss even when they do bad on the test, right? But you, if, they, if you do it too much, they'll never do well on the test, right? So what's the hug and the kiss and the I love you and it's great mm-hmm. and has to come with what message? The Orzarua's message. Adam shetarach betorah kol litroach. If you tried your hardest. Right? The Orzarua was a parenting expert, I guess, as well. An education expert. It says it doesn't mean that we don't care at all how a person did. If the person was ma'amit because he didn't try hard then we don't say that's just as good as the marbe. But if you truly tried as hard as the marbe, but some people are smarter, some people are faster, some people have better memories, whatever there is, but you truly tried as hard, then it's the same thing. And on the contrary, I remember years ago, I heard from uh, my Rebbe, Rebbe Torsky. Again, I think it's obvious, but I remember he was maybe many years ago, maybe I heard him say it first, mostly, what if the person who's mamit put in more effort than the marbe? Or there are always people who are so gifted, they don't even have to try hard. So you have that student who barely studied and got 100. And your son or your daughter, try, 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 you know, and got a 75. So 
I remember again. It's just, it's it's basically what the Mechazal are saying. But I remember him spelling out. He says he says it's not even a question in his mind. In Shamayim, it's not Echad Hamar Echad Hamamit. In that case, the Mamit's greater. We're judged by the effort. Lefum Tsara Agra. That's what the Or says. The end of source number eight, because it's all about the effort that we put in. A person only gets a seventy-five or the eighty or whatever the example would be in other areas of life. But put in the full effort, maximize his, maximize her potential. That's not the same as the person who got a hundred but only did fifty percent. It's better. Echadamar ba echadamamid is assuming they both put in the same effort. Then you should know if you put in the same effort, a hundred percent effort, you're just as good as the marba. But you could actually be better than the marba if you're putting in more effort, because in the end, that's what it's about. And again. Everything in our nature and certainly everything in the very competitive society that we live in. And you know, there's certain schools that are more competitive than others. That's probably something that when we look at schools for our sons and daughters, I don't know if that was, that's the one of the things that we're looking for. Uh, but I personally, uh, at least in the hindsight of having uh, my youngest is already in eighth grade, but you know, you have to know that child. Certain children thrive under those kind of, in those kind of schools and other kids really, really do not. And the schools are not the same for that. There are certain schools which are much more uh, academic, not in the sense of pushing the kids, but you know, making it competitive about scores. You have to be very, very careful if the child will thrive in such a, a situation. But the key, and again, I hope the Mechanach know what they're doing, you know, get, we don't have to be smarter than Chazal, we just have to follow Chazal. And what they're telling us for our own self-image, and again, especially in our roles, our privileged roles as parents, grandparents, as people who are you know, guiding and inspiring a younger generation, we have to remember not only for ourselves, more importantly to remind them that what Hashem truly cares about is the effort that we put in. And if we truly put in the effort, then whatever the grade on the score, score is or you know, the promotion at the job or whatever the case may be, but in the big scoreboard, the one that really, really counts, um, we truly, truly uh, will be rewarded. So if you have that attitude, why did I stress this for the last few minutes? Because if you have this, if you get this, the lafum tsara agra, the echadamar b'echadamamit, then jealousy is not an isayun at all. Right? Then jealousy doesn't even make any sense. Right? Jealousy is the outgrowth, you forgive me for being blunt, of a rotten core. You only get to jealousy if you're missing that other thing. And by the way, it's, I'm giving examples of school because we were talking about learning. But we all know certainly as adults this can happen when you see people who seem to have a nicer house and a nicer car and more money or seems like they have a happier marriage or all sorts of other things. Right? If we could just stop looking around, we'd all be a lot, lot happier. But the point is that that problem of the jealousy of looking around, that's the gemar, that's the end. The first thing is to realize it's These are the children that I have. That's because Hashem decided that there's no better parent in the world for these children than me. If you believe that, there's nothing to be jealous of. If you believe that everything I need, Hashem has given me, there's nothing to be jealous of. Jealousy is only the last stage of other emuna that we don't have. And that's basically what these sources are telling us. If you have if you have if you realize that, so then there's no that's a lave tov. And then there's no reason to be jealous, whether it's in learning 
or in any other area of life. I just want to end with doing one, uh, one, two more sources if we can, or at least one. I'll try to finish up in the next five minutes. And that is source number nine. Uh, in the Bar Tanuri here in source number nine, um, I think if, if we had had more time, I would have suggested maybe if there's a subtle difference or not. But I think that source number nine, the beginning of source number two, and source number three may all be saying the same thing, or maybe something slightly different. Uh, but for our purposes, let's just briefly stretch, uh, touch on it, because I think it's so, so important, and it'll be a good way to end. And that is, this is Ravadje Bartanura. Before that, he was a bottle of wine. He was a Rishon. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that was a city in Italy. I don't think that was his last name. It's Ravadje Mi Bartanura. Um, so he says, it went great, one of the classical Parshanim, um, Farshim on the Mishnah. So he says as follows, Why is Lev Tov so important? Lefisha Halev, Basically, the heart is the engine that drives everything. And I think what he's getting at is something which is, I think, you know, I think modern psychology, I think, would, 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 would agree with this. But we, don't, we like to think that everything we're doing is rational, and intellectual and thought out. But the truth is that on a deep level, we're all very emotional people. And again, that scheme, if you will, that emotion, where our emotional well-being is, where that is, is kind of like everything gets filtered through that. Because that's what leads to all the other goals. So if we are, I think here he's describing a kind of passion. It's like the engine that brings the koach to everything else. And that will lead to all the other good things. Right? Every action to be to do good this requires your hands, to do good this requires your eyes, to do your leg, everything requires something. But the power source, the thing that gives energy and passion and excitement to everything, Tov. This is why lave is the most important thing. And this, I think, maybe even gets back to what you had said before. The lave is the essence. If a person gets that right, then you get everything right. I think he seems to be talking to the Bartanur about some kind of a passion or energy which drives everything. And if you go back just quickly in source number two, we, we, start, we saw the second half of Rabbeinu Yonah. But in the beginning, he quotes, I'm pretty sure that's referring to the Rambam. However, I'm not able to find anywhere in the Rambam. And I asked one of my colleagues in Yeshiva, who was a big expert in these things, if you had ever heard of this Rambam, he never heard of it either. So it might be this one of these things that only exists in Rabbeinu Yonah. Uh, but maybe one day I'll find the original source that he's quoting. But he says, he says he's quoting somebody else. Top line of source number two. What is Lev Tov? Malas Tikun Hamidos. Shedeosov shel Adam Novas Men Alev. Uzman shel Libo Tov? Call me Dosov, Yesharos, Vadeosov, Nechonos, Vatimsa, Samech, Chalko. No, so on that part that the Lave Tov is going to impact everything else, what he says in number two is really the same thing that the Bartanur said in number nine. The only difference is here, he's specifically focusing on Lave Tov refers to your character, your Midos. person who has good Midos, a Lave Tov, Memela will be a Shachin Tov and a Chaver Tov. If you have good Midos, Everything flows from that. Or something that my father, I think, uh, tried to teach me many times. Everything flows from character. Some of them, business and other things. All the other stuff is narishkeit, or details at best. The first thing you need to know about a person is the character. Everything else will flow from character. 
how are they going to react when things get tough, when there's tension, when there's stress. You always go back to first principles, character. And that's what Belazar is teaching us, which was said by some of you at the beginning, that the lave really describes the essence. The ayin in the metaphor is, again, things you do, decisions you make here and there. But the essence, the true character of a person, to be, have tikkun amidos, to be a refined person, not just to do good things, but to have a good essence. Rav Asher Weiss, I think, once pithily termed it so powerfully, so it's so sharp, you'll, be, you'll never forget it because it's so easy and so well said. He said there's a difference between la'asot and lihiot. Right? La'asot, to do chesed, to do tzedakah, to do, 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 those are all good things. But what's better than all those is lihiot, to be a bal chesed, to be a bal tzedakah. That's the essence, and that's what he's describing here, whether it's in midos or your passions and your energy, that's the late of If you get that right, everything else is downriver from that. That flows and impacts everything else. So these are you know, some of the thoughts that kind of come collected when we look at the Mepharshim uh, on Lev Tov. And I think if we ask the question, why is it important to have a good heart? So I think we now have uh, quite a few answers, some of which were intuitive and I think were suggested towards the beginning, some of which were perhaps less uh, intuitive, but I hope uh, therefore just as insightful and meaningful.